Oh, my God. 
five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Maestro, take it away. Another Yossi Green classic. Also, I stick the Gemara and Brochus. Recovering Brochus tonight. Amen. <laughs> 
up in New York City on the plaza with the view. His parents were screaming Harvard, but he was just looking for you. He came by for a Shabbos. We stayed up way past two. We spoke about a life of meaning, 'cause he was just looking for you. 'Cause he was just looking for you. In the old city, where he's just looking for you. Still a big fan of the Yankees and a Harvard alumni too. But his grandkids are keeping Shabbos and singing this song about you and singing this song about you. Zuch nishtein in the Bible, zuch nishtein ganidet. Bevil nishchapit ein amaluchim, bezuch nadechalein. Now look up for your heaven's door.
Simcha Liner. Rise Up is right. I don't know how carefully you had to pay attention to social media to realize that that song was was a prominent selection in our Kosher Halftime Show filming yesterday. Did you pick that up? I don't know. I, I, you know, (laughs) I saw the stories and saw what a lot of people had to post about what was going on yesterday. Um, We had two days of Kosher Halftime Show filming. One was indoors, rather inconspicuous. The other was yesterday, outdoors, in one of the world's most populous Jewish neighborhoods. Uh, As I said to somebody, we had done it in Atlanta last year. You know, uh, there are people in Atlanta who know us, but, uh, you know, you don't get the crowd that you got in New York. Uh, We did it in Jerusalem two years ago, again, a lot of people in Israel are familiar with our network, but generally not in one concentrated area. And this year we were in uh, one of the world's most uh, populous Jewish neighborhoods of New York and New Jersey. And um, and there were a lot of people who had a lot of reactions and who uh, participated with us in the filming of the Kosher Halftime Show, either by being spectators or cheering on or driving by or... I don't know, a multitude of ways. And the one thing we were happy about, the um, it seems the next generation, as much as they're familiar with everything we do on a daily basis, the Kosher Halftime Show is a really big brand for them. They really uh, enjoy um, watching it come out each year, having us uh, produce it, having uh, Mayor Kay uh, be in charge of the creative content. He's a lot of fun, as you know. And we had an amazing time yesterday. So Kosher Halftime Show, February 2. 2-2-2020. Uh, that's when Kosher Halftime Show is going to be made available approximately, approximately 7.45 Eastern time that evening. And we're very much looking forward to everybody enjoying it. Should be a great show. <laughs> Last year was funny, entertaining, had its moments. And this year is going to be uh, really incredible. So the reason we played Rise Up and uh, before that Harbei Nachat from Simcha Liner uh, hint, hint, as to who uh, one of the featured artists may be, uh, is because it's possible those two songs had a prominent role in uh, one of the segments that we filmed yesterday for the Kosher Halftime Show. Eighth Day had Tatten You. You heard Eina Nachnu done by Mordechai Shapiro. So Morty yesterday. Seems like he's doing great. I told him that um, we play him so much here, I was accused of being his agent, <laughs> which I thought was pretty hilarious, frankly. Uh, Tanya from Avram Freed, and of course, those of you who are studying Dafyomi, let's see, where would the Dafyomi studiers or students be right now? 
If Sunday was page two, three, four, five, six, seven. Today would be Daf Zion, correct? Let's see if I'm right. Today would be Daf, yeah, Daf Zion. So apparently, and a big thank you to Mark Zomik and others who've confirmed this, apparently uh, Daf Zion has the words Tanya from the famous Tanya song of Avram Fried, a Yossi Green composition. So we played that off of a time for music number 20, which took place 13 years ago because we're going to be uh, kicking off a time for music 33 at 7 p.m. Eastern time this coming Sunday. And we're looking forward to that with our friends at Hask. And, of course, Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this 10th of January to 13th of Teves. Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayechi. Candle lighting time at 427. 427 in New York is your official candle lighting time. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Hey, Ruvain Rosazada. Mazal Tov, Mabruk to you. And, of course, to um, Lori and Dr. Joe and the entire family, the Friedmans, the Rosazadas, Mama, everybody. Mazal Tov, Mabruk from all of us here at JM and the AM. Looking forward to the big celebration in New Jersey uh, this coming Shabbos starting tonight. 36 degrees with 76% humidity. Winds of southwest at 7 miles an hour. Morning clouds, afternoon sun with a high temperature of 52. Then tonight, mostly cloudy. Excuse me. Mostly clear with a low of 48. Not bad. Uh, tomorrow, cloudy skies, a high 63 degrees for Shabbos Day. Yerushalayim right now at 42. We're at 36 here in New York City. By the way, on Hask Day, on Sunday, 65 degrees. Might rain. Might rain. But good temperature, 65 degrees on Sunday. Who knows? Maybe a record breaker. I have no idea, but I guess it could be. Um, right now, again, 36 here in New York. Malcolm Honeline is in Israel. Malcolm Honeline is in Israel. He will join us for the weekly update at 7.40 Eastern Time right here at JM in the AM. 7.40 Eastern Time right here at JM in the AM. Rabbi Yudin is in Israel. He will join us live just after 8.15 Eastern Time this morning here at JM in the AM with words about Parshas Vayechi. He should join us, Rabbi Yudin. We go until 9 o'clock. At 9 o'clock, it's Naomi Nachman. She's got a brand new show. In fact, I think Avrami, if I'm not mistaken, tossed in a uh, a message about Naomi's show. Yeah, Shachar Avraham joins Naomi from Israel Free Spirit Birthright. Malki Hirsch of Kiss the Kosher Cook. And Naomi Elberg, also known as Naomi TGIS. Hmm. Uh, they're all going to be joining Naomi. Erev Shabbos Show Encore, sponsored by our friends at Kedem at 10 a.m., Harry Rothenberg video blog on Parshas Vayechi, Arab Shabbos music mix sponsored by Kedem. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. That's tomorrow night at 9 o'clock. Um, Sunday, it's JM Sunday with Matis starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time Live. <coughs> Excuse me. Thank you, Matis, for that. Uh, Lenny and Miriam Holstock have checked in from Efrat. They are listening in from Efrat, Israel, to Darabah, guys. And uh, have a wonderful Shabbat Shalom out there in Efrat. And um, and here we are at JM and AM on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. 28 minutes before 7 o'clock as we continue. Plenty more coming up. Speaking of Efrat, here's Shlomo Katz at JM and the AM.
Oh 
Western Wall on Friday night, his first time ever there. Strapped into his knapsack with his long and curly hair. He stood there for a while, then broke out with a smile, motion overwhelming joy with tears. The men were dancing there, the heart so full of love. Such happy tunes to thank the one above for showing them the way, for giving them a day to rest, rejoice with peace of mind, to pray. came along his feelings grew so strong he first began to feel that he belonged Just one shot is 
J.M. and the A.M. Shkoyach to you, Barry Weber. Lachun Ranana, that's his uh, version of the uh, opening of Kabbalah Shabbos here at J.M. and the A.M. Mordechai Ben David with just one Shabbos. That was by request. Shamru done by Shalshalas Jr. Barry had rebind. Tfilah Lachayim done by Shlomo Katz. And welcome to a Friday, everybody, on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayechi. Chazak for Shabbos for Parshas for Safer Braces. Can you imagine? Seems like yesterday we started uh, Safer Braces. It began in uh, Chutzlaaretz on the Simchas Torah, which was the 22nd of October. And now today is January the 10th, and we're set to a wrap up Safer Braces, which is pretty amazing, frankly. <laughs> at least I think so. Candle lighting at 427, 427 candle lighting time here in New York. Mazal Tov to Ruvain Rosazada. The big bar mitzvah coming up this Shabbos. Looking forward to celebrating with Lori and Joe and the entire uh, Friedman and Rosazada families from all of us here at JM and the AM. Hask is Sunday. Looking forward to the big concert. Can't wait to get back on stage and welcome in all the amazing and incredible uh, acts and all the fantastic sponsors. 36 degrees, morning clouds, afternoon sun, a high of 52. Looks like great weather over the uh, over Shabbos here in this area. Sunday for Hask. A high of 65, which is amazing, but it might rain. That'll be the only thing. Rabbi Yudin's going to be calling in from Israel at about 8.15 on Parshas Vayechi. Malcolm Honline will be calling in from Israel for the weekly update. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He's in Jerusalem, and we will uh, speak with him about the issues of the day and of the week and of the month, all coming up here at JM in the AM. And the fact that he's in Jerusalem always makes it extra special, so to speak. Golly, it's on the background with our news from Israel coming up. And move into the 7 o'clock hour. Galay Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday next at JMNAM. Galay Tzal, Hashash Taim, Kanehud Graf, Im Mashikoreach Shav. על רקע הביקורת על מינויו לשר החקלאות, חבר הכנסת דוד ביטן הודיע הבוקר אבטר על התפקיד. כתבנו הפוליטי מיכאל האוזר טוב מוסר כי לאחר שורה של עיכובים משפטיים בסוגיית מינוי שרים בממשלת מעבר, אמר חבר הכנסת ביטן, ההשהיה הממושכת היא שגרמה לי לוותר על המינוי. חבל שפעולה שהייתה צריכה להתבצע לפני שנתיים נדחתה כל הזמן באמתלות שונות עד שהגענו לנקודה שמעקרת אותה מתוכן. כך חבר הכנסת ביטן. נתניהו הודיע על המינוי לתיק החקלאות במסגרת סבב המינויים השבוע, אך מאז חלו שורה של עיכובים. היועץ המשפטי אביחי מנדלבליט דרש להביא את המינוי לדיון בממשלה ולא להסתפק במשאל טלפוני כנהוג כדי שהשרים יעמדו על הקשיים המשפטיים שבמינוי ביטן החשוד בשורה של עבירות שוחד. התרסקות המטוס האוקראיני באיראן רשות התעופה הצרפתית הודיעה שתיענה להזמנת טהרן להשתתף בחקירת נסיבות התרסקות מטוס הנוסעים שלשום. מוקדם יותר הודיעו גם קנדה וארצות הברית שתשלחנה נציגים משלהן. ההשערה הרווחת בקהילות המודיעין במערב היא שהמטוס הופל על ידי טיל איראני שייתכן ונורה בשוגג, אולם טהרן דחתה את הטענה הזו. 
גבר כבן 68 נמצא ללא רוח חיים באזור התעשייה בעיר. כתבנו קובי מנדל מוסר כי ככל הנראה, הגבר איבד את הכרתו ומת כתוצאה מהיפותרמיה. משטרת ישראל עצרה מורה מאזור המרכז בחשד לביצוע עבירות מין בתלמיד בן 12. כתבנו דורון קדוש מוסר שאתמול הובא המורה לחקירה שבסיומה נעצר ובית המשפט, בית משפט השלום בפתח תקווה, העריך מוקדם יותר את מעצרו בחמישה ימים. לידיעת הנהגים, בעקבות קריסת קטע כביש בתל אביב, רחוב ארלוזרוב חסום לתנועה מרחוב ויצמן לכיוון דרך נמיר. כתבתנו ליה ספילקין מוסרת כי שוטרים נמצאים במקום ומכוונים את תנועת כלי הרכב. ומזג האוויר, גשמים מקומיים ימשיכו לרדת ברחבי הארץ והם ייחלשו לקראת שעות הערב. קיים חשש להצפות במישור החוף. ולשיטפונות בנחלי הדרום והמזרח. מחר תחול עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות שעורכת גוני כהן.
J.M. and the A.M. Misha Shikane done by uh, Baruch Levine here. Excuse me, here, here at J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Parshas Vayachi, candle lighting at 427. Uh, Malcolm Homeline from Jerusalem, 740 Eastern Time. We'll um, get his perspective on what's going on out there. Um especially with all the news events over the last couple of weeks, which have been many, to say the least. Uh, you know, we mentioned earlier, and uh, social media was blowing up yesterday in terms of our uh, recording of the Kosher Halftime Show. Uh, so number one, a big thank you to Gotta Get a Bagel. Uh, Joel is amazing. Joel is amazing. And, uh, you know, he usually opens up his store or, or welcomes us to his store uh, so we can broadcast early in the morning. Uh, in this case, he stayed open later than usual in order to accommodate a, a long but amazing uh, kosher halftime show filming that was going on. And uh, therefore, I say a big shout-out to Gotta Get a Bagel out in Woodmere and to Joel for all of his uh, amazing help. Uh, in addition, I, I have to give a, a massive shout-out to uh, Maishi Hirsch and everybody at the Central Perk. <clears throat> you know, one of the um, segments of the kosher halftime show, I think it's obvious now, <laughs> to to most people, <laughs> one of the segments takes place um, very close to Central Perk. Not inside exactly, <laughs> uh, but very close to Central Perk. And you'll see what I mean once the product comes out. Uh, and uh, he was just the most amazing host. Uh, basically took over half of his store <laughs> uh, for staff and uh, gave everybody whatever they needed. Uh, warmed everyone up and uh, and just you know fed everybody and I I can't thank him enough. So Central Perk Cafe, uh, out there in uh, Cedarhurst. Uh, thank you, thank you to Maishi Hirsch. Oh, and by the way, uh, he let me know that um, they have quite a unique distinction over there at um, at Central Perk, and that is that Rabbi Frankel every morning at eight forty five gives a Dafyomi shear every morning Monday through Friday, including today, uh, Daf Zion. Uh, Rabbi Frankel gives a um, Dafyomi shear beginning at 8.45. So a big shout-out to the Dafyomi group 
at Central Perk Cafe out in Cedarhurst. And to Maishi Hirsch, we say uh, a major, major thank you from all of us here at JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayichi. Plenty more coming up here on this uh, Friday morning broadcast. And um, let's see. We'll continue with a gentleman we saw yesterday. Yeah. He was on the streets of the five towns. Here's Aryeh Kunstler.
של רמזית, יש סיפור אמיתי. הלב שלי נקרע לשניים, מה שלא ראתה שפחה למים, כמו סופה מן הים עולם, כמו תופעה של מרים פועם, ואין תרופה בעולם. הלב שלי מרים ידיים, כבר מועד לא עומד על הרגליים, שבר כלי שאין בו כבר מה, והשמיים הם לי חומה, חבור בתור. בים, ביבשה. ורק אתה יכול להפוך מספדי למחול, לזכך את החול, לרכך בי הכל. ורק אתה מבין איך לגשת ללב שלי, משכך כל כיף שבי. חציו לשם וחציו לשם שמיים, כמו סופה מן הים עולם, כמו תופעה של מרים פועם, ואין תרופה בעולם ללב. ורק אתה יכול להפוך מספדי למחול, לזכך את החול, לרכך בי Thank you. 
J.M. and the A.M., Yishai Rebo, he is uh, the only artist who officially has been announced uh, to be at the Hess concert Sunday night, although the <laughs> the list, <laughs> through guesses and uh, conjectures and uh, behind-the-scenes information, the list continues to grow in terms of who's going to be on stage Sunday night. Looking forward to Hass. That's Yishai Rebo with Halev Shali. Aryeh Kunstler had Ms. Marshir. Baruch Levine opened the hour Friday morning. Erev Shabbos, candle lighting 427 in New York. Mazal Tov to Ruvain Rosazada, to Lori and Joe and the entire family getting set for the big bar mitzvah celebration. This coming Shabbat, spending time with everybody out in uh, West Orange, New Jersey. Please keep in mind, Micha Chaim Ben Sara, Micha Chaim Ben Sara for Rafua Shlema. Uh, listener Daniel says, Shabbat Shalom from AJA Carpool number 255. As listener Daniel is probably thinking, that a year ago we were uh, stopping by uh, his city down in Atlanta, Georgia. I think it was uh, a year ago. It wasn't either right before or right after uh, um, Yeshiva break that we were down there to record Kosher Halftime Show. Um, 5779. Yeah. Anyway, so a big hello to listener Daniel and everybody who's traveling with him this morning at, um, at down in Atlanta from all of us here at JM in the AM. Malcolm Honline is in Israel and will join us. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, will join us from Israel. Ironically, Rabbi Yudin's also in Israel. And we'll have uh, his words from Israel on Parshas Vayechi at about 8.15 Eastern Time this morning right here. If you keep it at JM in the AM.
JM in the AM. Mordechai Shapiro Visitane off of his most recent album here at JM in the AM. Uh, before that, you heard um, Regesh, first from uh, Volume 11 with SA9, then from Volume 7 with Mayane Olam Haba, Yishai Rebo, who's going to be at the Hass concert Sunday with Halev Shali here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Malcolm Honline is in Israel. We'll get to him coming up. Uh, he's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and uh, will join us from Jerusalem in just a couple of minutes here for the weekly update at the JM in the AM. So we'll have that for you uh, coming up at JM in the AM. I also uh, want to take this opportunity to wish uh, Shai Kruder a mazel tov. His bar mitzvah is taking place this Shabbos in Clifton, New Jersey, and to the Miller and Kruder families and a Special, special mazel tov to Rusi and the Mayor Kruder. Uh, we say mazel tov. Congratulations from all of us here at JM and the AM. So Shai Kruder, Bar Mitzvah celebration this Shabbos in New Jersey. We say mazel tov from all of us at JM in the AM. And I'm sure before and after Shabbos, there'll be some amazing photographs from the great Mayor Kruder. Uh, check out Kruder.com if you want to see some amazing work. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. More coming up here at JM in the AM. Uh, as we said, it's going to be a um, it's going to be a weekly update from Jerusalem. So that's happening next. Keep it here at JM and the AM. This one is from uh, Simcha Liner from his most recent album. As we continue, candle lighting at four twenty seven in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. As we get set for a wonderful Shabbos, and again a Mazal Tov, a Mabruk to uh, Ruvain Rosazada and the entire Rosazada and the Friedman families. Uh, Lori and Joe and everybody out there in West Orange, New Jersey, as they get set for the uh, big bar mitzvah celebration happening in uh, in West Orange uh, this coming Shabbos, tomorrow, Parshas Vayechi, and we're looking forward to celebrating with them. And we say mazal tov from all of us here at JM in the AM.
Simcha Liner, brand new. Those of you who saw some of the social media from yesterday's filming of the Kosher Halftime Show, you know what kind of role Simcha had. And we look, for, as he just wrote to me this morning, looking forward for the final product. It's going to be a lot of fun and really cool. Kosher Halftime Show will be made available to the public during Super Bowl Sunday, February the 2nd at about 7.45 p.m. Eastern Time. And again, we're looking forward to it. And by the way, a big shout out to the Rothenberg Law Firm that are presenting sponsor again of our Kosher Halftime Show coming up. At the beginning of February, Malcolm Honline from Jerusalem in just a minute. Want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to give us uh, thousands of options to print out before Shabbos. Great articles about Israel and the Jewish world that you can either print out or read on the spot once you uh, log on. Go to JewishWorldReview.com for an amazing collection of great material. Again, that's JewishWorldReview.com. It's Arab Shabbos Parshas Vayechi, candlelighting in New York, 427. Both Rabbi Yudin and Malcolm Honline are in Israel. And will be joining us live, or by Uden will join us live at about 8.15 with Parshas Vayechi. We go to Malcolm in Jerusalem just now. And speaking of Jerusalem, I want to give a big shout-out to the Inbal Hotel. They, again, were our, were our home base during our wonderful broadcasts of last week and weekend. 
And uh, we thank the Inbal Hotel for their hospitality and uh, the city of Jerusalem for being as amazing and incredible as it is. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He joins us live from Jerusalem. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's good to be back with you after your uh, break, my break. Um, <laughs> uh, and as you said, I'm in Jerusalem. I'm at the Inbal, the wonderful hotel, uh, such a friendly and wonderful staff here, and new, beautiful new rooms, which I know you occupied. And uh, they have a plaque now on the room where you stayed. And, and, and the weather is beautiful, contrary to a lot of the reports. It did rain a lot the last few days, uh, record rains, in fact, and a lot of flooding in Tel Aviv and in the north. And unfortunately, even some fatalities from the, the flooding. And when I arrived yesterday, I saw a sampling of it. It was really uh, huge downpours. But now the prediction is for weather in the 50s, and it's very beautiful now. It is amazing that you're there at a time when, as you just described, you know, the rain unfortunately uh, did cause deaths, and of course, uh, you know the the dichotomy. But at the same token. Uh, Israel always needs rain, and uh, it, it, it's hard not to be thankful for record rainfall. So you have that that whole conflict going on, of course, in everyone's mind because of the danger that it uh, posed for so many. But um, uh, we pray for rain. We pray for rain for the Holy Land, and there's no question they got a tremendous dose of it um, in recent days. Um, I want to start on this side. Obviously, our listeners know, and they've been uh, demanding that we get to these, these – um, uh, conversations about uh, Iraq, Iran, and so many things happening on the other side of the world, Israel, of course. Uh, but I got to start on this side of the world. Malcolm, um, it, you know, the, the anti-Semitism issue was obviously a national and international issue. You know that last weekend uh, there was a, uh, a major effort to bring this to the forefront, to basically state Jew and Gentile alike, many, many great people, both Jew and non-Jew, gathered together in New York City to state that there'll be no tolerance for these episodes that have been happening and... Uh, and the things that have been going on, and some of the things that are being said as well uh, by public officials and by um, and by uh, members of the press. Uh, w- what was your takeaway from last weekend? Did you feel that the American, or more specifically in this case, the New York, New Jersey collective Jewish community did a good job in response to the anti-Semitism issue? I think that the event itself was remarkable. It was convened on a few days' notice, and it was not a political event. No politicians spoke. Some marched. But it was meant to be an, a, a, an exclamation by the Jewish community and the non-Jewish community that zero, of zero tolerance, uh, that this is unacceptable. Uh, I hope that all of the words will be matched by deeds and by consistent action. It's not a one-shot deal. Uh, but it was very important for people to have an opportunity to come together, and so many thousands did, to demonstrate their outrage, and every political leader has to read that. But uh, while it was a New York, New Jersey phenomenon, people came from Toronto, Cleveland, elsewhere, which I think reflects the fact that this is a nationwide uh, um, experience, and even moreover, I would say a worldwide one, I know the calls I got from heads of Jewish communities around the world, communities that we fight for their security generally, calling up to express solidarity with the American Jewish community, asking if they could be of help, but also telling me something which I had not thought about, that when an event like those that took place 
that took place in Muncie, but the others that took place in the New York area over the last uh, weeks, and the intensity of uh, of those uh, of the number of incidents, uh, they said that it becomes open season in their countries. Right. That if people get away with it in New York, and New York being a Jewish city, they say that it can be an incentive to people everywhere to engage in such activities or to give them a license. Uh, obviously, it is happening everywhere in Europe, South America. Uh, I mean, there's no part of the globe that is not touched today by uh, manifestations of anti-Semitism, particularly spread by the Internet. But the sim- symbolism of these events in New York goes beyond just the, the borders of the five uh, boroughs or even the, two, the tri-state area. It has global implications. Yeah, international ramifications. Um, I, I know you don't like to focus on this stuff, but I think it's important, especially for this audience who wants to hear some statement about it. There were some public officials who one can argue really didn't belong there. Your reaction to that? I believe that you um, that you don't disrupt the whole event and turn the focus on them, which may be exactly what they want. The best thing it was, uh, and as was proven to be true, was to ignore them. Uh, those who marched, most people, the vast majority, did not know that they were there, uh, and that um, uh, it doesn't exculpate them. It's if they if we were to exclude them or the sponsors the others to exclude them that would become an issue and sense, give a message that uh, that we don't want everybody's support and I think it's imperative that those who do engage in it are the ones who are most responsible and have the biggest obligation to express their outrage at, at these attacks but I don't think anybody is misled or or misunderstands. The uh, the importance of it. I also think that it's important to uh, and you, and you through your experience all these decades can can tell us that this is true. Uh, there are those who either change their mind a little or change their behavior a little on these issues. You never know when a gathering like this might have a positive effect on somebody. It is true, and it, and even if it forces them to say something, they have to hear their own words, hearing the denunciation of it. It shouldn't fool us. It shouldn't, um, you know, the, the instant conversions are rare. But, uh, but you're right. It is important that everybody come out and that the, uh, the, the diversion of attention, should, the, should they have been made the focus of attention, would have been detrimental to the very strong message that was sent and the media carried uh, around the country of the rejection of anti-Semitism. And I, and I think it... it, it um, it it was handled in the right way. Uh, and finally, before we move to the international, uh, well, more of a you know an international flavor in terms of the news of the day, um, you mentioned reaction from from Jewish communities around the world. Um, I'm curious about reaction from Israel because uh, again, uh, we've always talked about Israel, you know, n- needing uh, the support of. Uh, countries in the diaspora, especially, you know, uh, the United States. We've talked about that and how that is shifting tremendously over the last few years. More of the diaspora is now depending on Israel. Uh, it seemed this was another example of that, that, uh, that now, and I'm not talking about the whole, oh, everybody has to come to Israel, make out, forget, I'm not talking about that whole speech right now. I'm simply saying that the prime minister of Israel, uh, as an example, has a much more important role than in past years when it comes to episodes like this. And again, Israel seems to be leading the diaspora on major issues like this. 
Well, it is because it's a Jewish state which has the major capabilities of dealing with outbreaks of anti-Jewish violence and has both the diplomatic corps. But I think each country, the communities have been mobilized and the resources utilized, in some cases very limited. In the case of America, we're a vast community and we have significant resources that are being applied but physical security is using up a lot of those resources and and, and attention. But uh, but we also know that the campaign against Israel is part of the same anti-Semitic campaign, except that they go after the collective Jew, not the individual Jew. They think that that is more politically correct and acceptable to say you hate Zionists or you hate Israel than to say you hate Jews, even though that's what you really mean. So the, the reaction here, by the way, people all the time have been asking me about it and about how serious it is and do the kids go out at night and I know there are communities where today people are hesitant to let their children go out and to go to Jewish institutions that should not be the case that's a victory for the bad guys we should continue to to have Jewish symbols publicly and to attend events and to make our and make sure that our schools and institutions are welcoming even as we increase the necessary measures for uh, maximum security uh, of our community. But the Israelis, uh, you know, don't have a real sense, and they're trying to grasp how, how widespread it is, who's doing it, and is there really a way to counter it at this point? And we try to explain and put into context what is happening in America. Great point. Uh, Malcolm Holmline is in Jerusalem, Malcolm, when the uh, leading country of the free world has an opportunity to eliminate a terrorist Soleimani, do they have an obligation to go ahead and do so? I think that what the president did and what the American troops did was very important. Uh, I think it ranks with Osama bin Laden and maybe even more important because bin Laden was largely a symbolic figure. This guy was operational. It's somebody I've talked on this show about for many years, as you know. Uh, and uh, his removal has thrown the militias and that of Mohandas, who was uh, the head of uh, uh, one of the militia uh, groups, um, um, the Kataib uh, Hezbollah, which has gotten more and more attention in, in recent weeks, uh, and the the Iranian-Iran Revolutionary Guards, Al-Quds Force, arms and trains and directs the militia soldiers, whose strength has been estimated up to 25,000 uh, troops. And the um, the absence of both Suleiman and Mohandas has, uh, has left them leaderless and directionless, and they are, uh, from all the reports we get, um, in disarray and in chaos. But more than that, this is the guy who carried out attacks, many attacks, that took the lives of countless Americans and countless others. He, he, is, um, he was involved in planning, even if you know, people doubt whether it was an immediate attack on the embassy, he carried out an attack on an embassy. And he's been carrying out attacks and organizing the troops to, to counter the United States, Israel, and others, our allies, there and throughout the region. So this was a very important measure and taking out somebody who kills and, and murders in the way he does. You saw how the misinformation immediately that American, 80 Americans were killed. Another report that I saw that circulated for almost two days was that 224 U.S. troops were taken to Israeli hospitals because they're, they, you know, to hide them from public view, but they're being treated. All of this, of course, was nonsense and, and not true. Um, 
and you see sometimes the muted reaction from from certain elements. You don't see condemnations. In fact, there were celebrations in much of the Arab world, and in Gaza, where they put set up a funeral tent, they came under heavy fire from Egypt, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, UAE, and others, saying this is a guy who killed your brothers, and and you're setting up a memorial tent or in any other way um, extolling him. So they they uh, backed off and and removed it. You, but you, you just gave us a two minute uh, commonsensical um, analysis of why it was important to eliminate him when the U.S. had the opportunity. Why is it that so? And, and you compared it to to Bin Laden. And remember how the president then, uh, the then president of the United States, was praised by everyone across the board for eliminating him. Uh, why is it then that so many public officials, especially obviously on the Democratic side of the aisle, at so many members of the media and so many countries' leaderships outside of Israel, of course, are having such difficulty with what President Trump directed? Well, I don't think most leaders are having uh, great difficulty. There, obviously, everybody's concerned about potential repercussions. Uh, I am not. I think that the, uh, I mean, obviously we are concerned, but I don't see immediate steps being taken. Uh, the the action that was taken was a limited one, and um, the, the, the damage was contained and no Americans were hurt. I think Iran does not want a war, not with Israel, not with the United States, and is therefore containing the response. It may well come in nine months from now, as, as you know, with the killing of Munia, it came a year later, uh, so it doesn't mean it's over. But I think the, that a lot of the countries now are re-examining their relationship with Iran, when um, and especially with the, the, the downing of the Ukrainian um, passenger plane and the death of uh, over 170 people, and whether it was an accident or not, looking at um, at what what really was behind it and seeing if we'll have full disclosure. But, but on the overall uh, situation, these people know that Soleimani has been a threat to the stability of Lebanon, Iraq, Syria, uh, of the whole region, and to their countries as well. And the removals, they all really have, uh, I'm sure, issued a sigh of relief, just as they're concerned about potential ramifications. We see Iran moving further. Now the fifth step, which essentially ends completely their commitments to the JCPOA, even though they haven't pulled out of it, but they announced they're reaching fully, that now their research and development moving back to full force. Essentially all the commitments now have been, have been uh, put aside. Uh, so we're going to see them be more aggressive in that regard. And they, the new sanctions are being imposed by the United States. But Iran's adventurism has never diminished. And despite all of the efforts of the Europeans to establish alternatives to what America has cut off or uh, to, to violate the sanctions, they have to have come to the realization that this is an enemy that threatens them, that has killed people in their own countries, targeted assassinations of dissidents in Europe, and threatens their troops abroad. You don't sound frustrated enough for me about the members of the media and those on the other side of the aisle, compared to the president, who have been uh, you know, so vocal uh, with their criticism about this move. Is it, sh- sh- should it bother us? Because, as, again, as you compared it to bin Laden, we really should have a consensus on this issue? I do believe there should be a consensus, and, uh, uh, you know, it's not a kind of thing you can take a poll on and uh, ask people before you carry out such right. a sensitive uh, uh, maneuver in uh, in a foreign country. 
but, you know, I think that they do themselves a lot of damage to the media when they, they engage in the kind of rhetoric and excessive uh, comments that have been made, because when there is something that they may legitimately criticize, people are just going to dismiss it and say everything today is political. Everything right. is right. partisan politics. Right. And that's, right. that's harmful in the long run to the kind of discussions that we should be having about uh, every issue and the pressure that needs to be brought to bear. You know, we, we saw an example, it's, it's an aside, but uh, that MasterCard and American Express and um, uh, other um, uh, Visa uh, all agreed to block donations to an NGO, a North American non-governmental organization uh, called Samidun, after it was shown that they were a front for the popular front for the liberation of Palestine mm. and that uh, of the ties. And, and DonorBox and PayPal had done it similarly. But it wasn't the only move. Spotify also removed the Hitler glorifying playlists. I think that people are finally taking responsibility. And the Internet companies have a huge amount of responsibilities. The media has a huge amount of responsibility. And they should be held to account as well as all the others who are engaged in, in uh, public expressions and, public, and have public responsibilities are influentials on others. It, it is frustrating when you see some of the ill-informed comments and the distortions about the role of, of Iran, about their activities, and, and the role of, uh, of Suleiman in particular. Well, well said. Malcolm Holmline is in Jerusalem. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world on the web, and com and the Segal Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. I mean, on, on the on the jetliner, you're not going to conjecture, right? We just have no clue if it was an accident or not at this point, correct? Right. All right. And on the other one, I just want to make this, I, I want to understand this clearly. I was under the impression that Iran did, in fact, publicly declare an end to the Iran deal. Would that be an inaccurate statement? They did not pull out of the JCPOA, is what I said. Ah. And uh, so... The, the terminology make, it may make a difference, the semantics of saying that they pull out or are they not ad- adhering to it. Right. So, so far they've now, this is the fifth stage, and I've tried to outline them as they occurred in the past, you know, about increasing the, going beyond the 3.67% enriched uranium, the level for enrichment, or this, the amount of material that they stockpiled, etc. And so now they have essentially... Um, canceled all of their obligations uh, to the JCPOA, but have not formally pulled out. All right, let's talk about some of the violent reaction. We'll start with the more recent one in that area against Americans. There, there was an attack at the Al-Assad Air Base, correct? That did take place. Yes. All right. And that, and, it, it, it took place. And, who, and Iran takes responsibility for that? Well, this, their, their proxies would take uh, responsibility for it. And the... Um, you know, it's the good forces, and you have the militias. You know, there's so many uh, uh, different groups. They have uh, many different militias, Shiite and Sunni militias, but all but aligned. The, the, the with, Shi- but all aligned with the with the Iranians. The Shia right. ones are aligned, and the um, and and the, yes, so the, it could have been carried out. We saw yesterday the bombing on the Iran Iraq border, the Iraq Syria border, mm. of shipments that were being sent to Hezbollah of advanced missiles, of ballistic missiles. So, you know, the, the, and we know that, for instance, sniper equipment, other things were being sent into Iraq by, from Iran. So Iran continues all of these activities and the, the different um, militias 
and offshoots of Hezbollah and Hezbollah itself um, are continuing to try to uh, advance their capacity for an ultimate showdown or even for limited actions. And, and if I have this correct, if I have the timeline correct, because the last couple of weeks have been, you know, a lot, lot, lot of activity over the last couple of weeks in the news, uh, if I have the timeline correct, before uh, 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 Soleimani was, uh, was eliminated, uh, e- even before that was the takeover or the attempt to take over the American embassy in Iraq. Am I right about that? That was first? That was first. The, it was the attack on the embassy and you know, the killing of an American contractor. What is the base. status right now at the American embassy in Iraq? Well, it's still there, and it's functioning, and it's protected. It's in the green zone. Um, so, the, And the demonstrations, have, um, because of everything else that's going on, I think, have dissipated. You had very big demonstrations there, and um, in the immediate aftermath of the killing as well, and and but remember the demonstrations before that were against Iran's presence in um, in in Iraq and particularly against Suleiman, who was seen as the main architect for Iran in uh, in Iraq as well as Syria, Lebanon, and even and, and even with all the um, uh, missile strikes, etc., that have happened over the years, over the most recent years, this is obviously the most direct uh, violent attack on American targets by Iran. Uh, in this most recent period of time, right? That's that's safe to say. In the most recent time, the the attack on the base. You mean was right. the, the most bay. direct, the, right? As opposed, you know, because we had the attack on our on our um, on the Marines. We've had other attacks right. against our allies, right? But I'm certainly the Saudi attack. Yeah, I'm referring to that one. I'm referring to the embassy, etc. So now, Syria's a neighbor. Russia's a neighbor. We always ask this question. Turkey has their eyes toward the region. Who's 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 desperately hoping the U.S. Do, does something? Who's watching this situation very closely and and uh, hoping it doesn't become uh, volatile and incendiary? Well, I think those that would be described as our allies, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, UAE, Jordan, others, uh, welcome what the United States did, welcome the United States again having a presence. Uh, you know, they've often complained that during the previous administration and this administration that America seems to withdraw, et cetera. Right. So I think that this was a reaffirming uh, measure. You mentioned something important that people don't think about, and that is that it's not just what Iran is doing as, as serious it is. And as you know, Israel has developed a new laser response, an anti-missile defense system that should be operational in about 18 months, but they revealed it yesterday or the day before, uh, that is able for about a cost of three and a half dollars to do what a fifty thousand dollar missile from the Iron Dome does to take down the Qassam rockets and those cheap rockets that um, are often fired from from Gaza. But the other, the parallel was in Libya, where we see in, in, in Turkey being far more aggressive, just as they have been in the Mediterranean and threatening the uh, announced uh, pipeline between Israel, Cyprus, and Greece, and we'll be visiting the leaders in both of those countries, as we will in Israel in the coming day and a half, uh, two days, uh, to advance this co- this cooperation. But they they are now supporting the um, uh, the government in Tripoli, that is, uh, Turkey is, and sending in weapons and drones and other equipment, uh, although the, that element is losing and is down to about a 250-mile strip of land, and people may not you know, focus on Libya, but it's a very important country. It's very rich in energy, but it's also uh, an important country in terms of the security and the balances in, in the region. 
so the um uh, and the um the other thing is to see that uh, Khania from Gaza went to the funeral and um you know he's the head of the Politburo of the, of uh, of Hamas and he attends and became came under very sharp attack for for doing it from some of uh, some of the neighbors in the in the region but they also um i mean he was seen meeting with uh, the leadership thereafter and especially Mohandas's uh, and uh, Soleimani's successors so you see the interrelationship to your point about the regional implications of all of this and the and the um, buildup that is going on continues to go on. And you think, I mean, it sounds like you said this earlier, Iran does have the same way nobody really suspects, if they're being objective, that they think they could take on the U.S. Uh, do they have the same attitude toward Israel? No one suspects that they really do believe they could take on Israel at this time? I believe that is the case, and nobody wants to see an escalation into an all-out war. Hezbollah certainly knows the price that they would pay and Lebanon would pay. Um, I think the same in Gaza, where you have a, this three-month uh, reduction in, in terror um, and the border demonstrations. But that doesn't mean the threat is ever dissipated or goes away, and Israel has to be constantly alert, especially the northern border with Syria, where more tunnels are attempted. And we see, we know there's a buildup in the vast amount of rockets that are there already, and their infiltration of the Syrian army and the militias, the pro-Iranian militias that have been established there, uh, represent a significant uh, challenge. But I, I think... And, to the, to the core of your question, uh, which was properly phrased. I do not think right now any of them want an all-out confrontation. You know, when I saw the prime minister, God bless him, uh, we'll talk about him in a minute, when I, when I saw the way he reacted and, and, and so desperately wanted to heap as much praise as possible on President Trump, it, just, it, 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 it gave me the impression that there was just so much negative reaction to what the president here had done that the prime minister, again, rightfully so, was just trying to you know, in in some way, convince somebody. <laughs> don't don't you see how good how good of a move this was? Don't don't you see that he did the right thing? Uh, I mean, I guess my point is that uh, uh, the Prime Minister of Israel releases a statement, uh, shows support in a very significant way, and now I don't want to say sits back, but now we'll observe what happens and and see if Israel has to get involved or not. Well, for one, I think he does it because he means it. I think yeah. it, it is true that this is beneficial to Israel and important <clears throat> that America shows. And because that's the strongest deterrent, is when America shows strength. That's what terrorists understand. That's what Iran understands. And, and the, so I think the first motivation is because they really see it as an important measure and a positive step. The second thing is that he, he, America has stood by Israel, and he feels that at a time when America does the right thing, takes courageous action, we should say it, and you should say it. And then secondly, that you show support when somebody is being knocked, and knocked unfairly, in, in his estimation, for taking the action that he did. So I think it's a natural reaction. I don't know that uh, there were many countries who reacted favorably because they, they're all scared of Iran. And the answer is not to cower to them. It is to stand up to them. It is, and if they faced a united front, and if the Europeans would do more on the sanctions front, we would, believe me, we would not have the problem we have today with Iran. Oh, by the way, I meant to ask you on that. Because I, you know, I don't know when sanctions are exhausted. Like I don't know what the sanctions list looks like, and when and when they're like at item ninety nine out of a hundred. Uh, was the U.S. able to implement more this week after all this? 
More sanctions? Yeah. Yes, they have more sanctions that they're working on, and more sanctions are being implemented. As you know, the Europeans are trying to bypass some of them. They have failed. They're not wor- the bypasses are not working. The economic impact on Iran is very apparent, and it may well be that they have a very shoddy army, very shoddy equipment, um, and the the um, you know the test would only be if if it's a, really in a conflict situation, but. There are many who believe that, in fact, Iran can't afford to, to sustain any kind of a long, uh, protracted war or conflict, and therefore is not interested in seeing this thing with America escalate. By the way, knowing the U.S. relationship with Iraq over the last 20 years, let's say, was it surprising to you to see just how significant the anti-American feeling was uh, in Iraq at this time? Yes, but first of all, we don't know the numbers, and you don't know how much of that is manufactured. I know from people in Iran, they said that for some of the demonstrations at the funerals, the roads were blocked, forcing people into the main streets where the, where the processions were taking place, mm. because the other streets had been blocked off. So there are a lot of techniques that can help exaggerate the reality. Clearly, he did it. His death it evoked an emotional response from many people. There's no doubting that. Yeah, but I was really it, referring to the because the embassy thing was beforehand, and that's kind of surprised me that there was that type of uh, of anger against the U.S. there at that time, but before his before he was eliminated. Yeah, but we don't. You don't really know the numbers, right. and you don't know how right. how the demonstrations come about, how they're forced. People are forced to take off from work or or bus to uh, places for these demonstrations. The fact is that the bigger demonstrations were against Iran just uh, a few days before. I didn't even realize that. So there, so there were significant uh, numbers of people who were taking to the streets against the Iranians. Absolutely, there and and in Iran itself and in Beirut. We just don't hear about that ever, especially in Iran itself. We just... Well, on this show, we did talk about it. No, I, I reported know. on I, the. De- I, but I'm, but I'm, you're right; it doesn't yeah. get doesn't get highlighted. You're absolutely I mean, right. That's a front because page. It's not the news people that they want to promote. To me, that's a front page story. That that there's so much dissension, you know, with uh, among the citizens of Iran with the, with the way the government's handling things. All of these issues. And and when you saw the demonstrations, they yelled, "We will not." die for Gaza, we will not die for Hezbollah, we will die for Iran. They resent the, the involvement and the support for, for terrorism and the diversion of the economic wealth of the country away from the people, and let alone sacrificing it because of the sanctions regimes that are being put in place for their political, for the government's political uh, aspirations. So absolutely, there, there does not get the kind of attention, and that frustrates the people who are on the front lines, and they say when there's no resonance, if people aren't listening to us, when our broadcast, the Western broadcast, Voice of America, others, you know, play a contrary role in terms of, of letting people know what's happening and being a fair and balanced uh, source of news, uh, it, it creates even greater problems I, for them. I didn't even think of that. I didn't even think of the, the political bent that VOA will put on their stories and how dangerous that is when people are hearing it thousands of miles away. I didn't even think of that. You, well, you, that's why you have me on. <laughs> Thank you. Final, finally, the elections in Israel. I don't know. You know what feeling I – and by the way, when you spend Shabbos in Israel, you have a little bit more time to schmooze uh, you know, with people uh, about what's going on, a little bit more downtime. And you know, I was there last Shabbos, and, and the, here's the impression I get. When it got to the second election, so it was double the frustration. I think the third is not triple. I think it's like exponentially more – in terms of how people are rolling their eyes and are just, you know, completely 
have thrown their hands up about this upcoming election. I, you know, you've described how how people are sick of it, and you're you worry about all of this as we get closer to March. I get that, but seeing it up close and personal and hearing people's frustrations, I I, I think they're wondering how Israel just continues through a situation like this. And I found a note of resignation. Right. You don't find people excited, pro or con. Uh, the, the speculation always is, will BB get immunity? Will BB get this? Will be, but the discussion is about BB, primarily about Prime Minister Netanyahu and and you know his court challenges, the challenges in the Knesset now, and these are very complicated legal issues which you know people can have opinion on, but don't really study in the way necessary to have an intelligent assessment. Um, but I, I found that the the people are not even talking about the election; they 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 are just. They're convinced that the outcome won't be much different than what it was before. I do hear more comments about individual candidates, more criticisms, more questioning of the roles of individuals um, than I heard the last time. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And I'm getting the impression that Gantz is a little bit stronger this time around. You, you just said that you know, it sounded like you were saying that, the, that you're expecting very similar results. But I don't know. If the election was today. I think most are thinking that Gantz might be uh, better off uh, nu- numerically, you know, result-wise, than he was last time. But, you know, we know from the past that right. that yeah. the polls don't necessarily reflect right. what the pollsters uh, indicate, yeah. and that the the question will be the turnout, the question will be what happens between now and then in, in, in BB's future. I mean, so March 2nd is, is a lifetime away in yeah. politics, That's but true. on the other hand, it's tomorrow. Right. And the it's, it's hard to, to tell... Uh, and and people then lose confidence in everybody because the longer these campaigns go on, more and more people say things that are more foolish or, you know, uh, rejected by the people. Yeah. So, they, they you know, and I believe in the end they tend to revert back to where they were. No question about it. Uh, I thank you. We have Rabbi Yudin coming up from Israel as well. Baruch Hashem. I apologize to you and to the audience about this crazy travel schedule right now. Our next weekly update will be two weeks from today, please God. Enjoy Israel for Shabbat, and thanks so much for joining us this morning. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Thank you, Malcolm. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Our next weekly update will be two weeks from today, the 24th of January, 740 Eastern Time, right here at JM. In the AM, Rabbi Yudin coming up from Israel. Looking forward to his presentation in just a moment. Um, candle lighting time in New York is four twenty-seven. Four twenty-seven. Your candle lighting in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. As we um, continue on this uh, Friday morning broadcast, this time each and every Friday, every erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin. Spiritual Leader Emeritus, Congregation Shomrei Torah of Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning to you, Nachum, and to everybody. Uh, just no correction, but just know that candle lighting here, in, even in Beit Shemesh, where I am, but also in Yerushalayim, Irak Kodesh, is at 417. Okay, one of the additional advantages to come to Eretz Yisrael, you start Shabbos earlier. Okay, tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayechi. It's Shabbos Chazak. We take leave of Sefer Bereshis. 
Sefer Bereshis is really the Sefer Hayetzira, the literal formation of the Jewish people. And remember, Terech Eretz Kodmah Torah. In the whole book of Bereshis, there are but three mitzvos. I'm sure they could have been tucked into any one of the other four books. Why do we need a whole book if there are only three mitzvos, if this is our constitution? But our constitution calls out to us and says that first you have to be a super person, and then you are qualified to become a Jew. Okay, I want to begin by sharing with you a very important base Halevi. He says this on last week's parsha. We're going to bring it and show it to you how it applies to this week's parsha. And the story is as follows. In last week's parsha, in chapter 46, Pasuk 4, member of Dalit, Yaakov is on his way down to Egypt. And Hashem says to him in Pasuk 3, Altira, Merdua Mitzrayma. Yaakov, don't be afraid to go down to Egypt. Kilagoy Gadol, for a great nation, Asimcha Sham. Counterintuitive. Just there in Egypt, you will become that great nation. Now, here's the Pusik that we want. Says Hashem to Yaakov, Onochi, I, but this refers to the Onochias of the Ten Commandments, my spirit. My greatness, Eredim Chomitzraima, will go down with you to Egypt. The Onochi and I, Aalcha Gamalo, will come up with you. So the literal understanding of this is, Yaakov, you're not going down alone. I'm going to be with you. I'm going down. I'll take you up. Says the Beis Halevi, something exceedingly profound, and that is that Hashem makes a haftocha, a promise to Yaakov Avinu that I will not deviate from the natural order of the world. There will not be miracles in this world except for the Yeshua of Yisrael, except for the purpose of salvation and saving the Jewish people. So let's think for a moment. Every day we have as the culmination of Pesukah Zimra. We have the Shiraz Hayom. We sing the praise of Hashem for that which He did at the splitting of the sea. If I were to ask anybody, tell me what the Shira is, so you're going to tell me that Hashem drowned the Egyptians and He saved the Jewish people. We went through the waters on dry land. That's correct. But that's the last pasuk of the Shira. Kivosos paro, berichpo forasha bayom, v'yoshev Hashem aleim es mehayom, v'nei Yisrael huchu That's the last pasuk. Tell me what's all the pesukim before them. Says the Beis Halevi, a beautiful idea, that the Shira is our saying thank you to Hashem for allowing us to be the vehicle through which you were made glorified in front of the whole world. The rabbis tell us in the Medrash, and this is a very interesting Medrash, namely, that every mommy throughout the world who was giving a baby a bath, the waters in that bathtub split. So don't tell me there was no CNN, and don't tell me, the people had no way of knowing. No, K-N-O-W, 
they knew, they knew what? That Hashem split the waters of the Red Sea because the waters by them all over the world split as well at that time. That's, so what is that? Says the Beis HaLevi, that's the fulfillment of Anochi Ered, Anochi Aalcha. God becomes glorified through the Jewish people. We have that continued in this week's parsha as well. Yosef brings his two sons to his father. Abba, bless them. Yaakov puts his hands, as we know, on Ephraim and Menashe, and he puts the right hand on Ephraim, the left hand on Menashe, and Yosef tries very, at first, politely to say, excuse me, Abba, but I think you're making a mistake. After all, this one is older. So Yaakov says it just like it is. Yodati bini Yodati, I know Yosef. Don't worry. Menashe will be a tribe. He'll be an important part of Kla Yisrael. The Ulam, however, Ochiva Koton, his younger brother, Ephraim, Yigdal Mimenu, will be greater than him. And his, come on, his progeny, his offspring will be the fill of the nations. What does that mean? So, and especially if you take it literally, that his children are going to be all over the world, that's not a bracha. A parent wants his children together, not dispersed. So Rashi tells us, what does it mean that his younger brother will be greater than he? She'osit says Rashi Yoshua, Joshua, Yoshua bin Nun, Moshe's disciple, is going to come from the tribe of Ephraim, that he is going to bring the Jewish people into the land, and he's going to teach Torah to the Jewish people. Now let's go to that challenging phrase, Vizaro yeh Meloa goyim. This is chapter 48, Pasuk 19. What does that mean? Says Rashi, Kol ha'olam yismalei, the entire world will be full, but says shimo ushmo, when his name, reputation, is going to go out into the entire world. The whole world is going to know the name of Yoshua Binun when Kishiamid Chama Begivon, when he is going to cause the sun to stand still over uh, Givon when they were fighting the Amori, the Oreach Beemek Ayolon, and the moon will stand still as well. Now, I'll be honored if you can bring the book of Yoshua, book of Joshua, to your table tonight, and you're going to turn to chapter 10. And there in chapter 10, you have the famous plea of Yoshua. That's in Pasuk 12, so it's 10-12 in the book of Yoshua, whereby Yoshua is concerned that, oh, yeah, yeah, we're winning the war. But if the sun is going to set and the Amori are going to run away, so the Pesach says, 
Then Yoshua spoke, and what does he say? And he says, he says, Yisrael. Three words: Shemesh, Begivon, Dom, Son, S U N, over Givon, Dom. Now, what does the word Dom mean? It doesn't mean stand still. He, that's the uh, effect of what he's saying. But Dom means keep silent. What a funny thing to say to the son to keep silent. Why? Because based upon what we say in the Pesukah de Zimra tomorrow morning, and every Yom Tov, Shabbos and Yom Tov, the first of the Pesukah de Zimra is that Lamatzech Mizmole David. We say Hashemayim is Saprim Kavod Kale, chapter nineteen of Tilim. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. Do you know what the sun does? Don't tell me the sun provides photosynthesis and heat, and it's exactly at the right axis, because if it would have been one degree one way, the world would be frigid. And if it was one degree the other way, the world, world would be heated. And we couldn't exist. It's perfect. Yes, the sun, my friends, sings. It sings the glory of God. And therefore, what does Yeshua say? Son, be silent. Okay. So now, this is a wow. Why? Because when the sun doesn't set in Israel, it doesn't rise in South America. And don't get, and I want you to know that in South America, they have the ancient tradition that there was a day that the sun never rose. Of course it didn't rise. It didn't set here. But now, I want to show you another Pasuk, which is fantastic. And that is right before Yeshua asks for the sun to stop. In verse 11, we're told that God threw down from the heavens avonim gedolos min large stones he pelted down vayomusu, and as a result, the Emori people died. Rabim more died because of Hashem's perfect aim in pelting the Emori soldiers from on high, more than what the Jewish people actually called with this, killed with their sword. So if you take a step back, my friends, in reality, this whole miracle was not necessary. Yeshua didn't know about the pelting of the stones, but in reality, the miracle wasn't necessary. Now, what does it say immediately thereafter? In verse 14, this is chapter 10, once again in Yoshua, bring it to the table. There was never a day before that and afterwards that God responded to the request of man. My late Rebbe, Rav Aaron Kreiser, pointed out in the name of the Gra that Shema Koleinu, that we conclude the requests of every Shemona Esrei, is really, what are we saying? Listen to our voice. Of course, we've been saying that. What is it adding? So he says, just like over here, Yoshua, he was asking God, and God delivered, even though, here it comes, it wasn't really necessary. We say to Hashem, we ask for things from you, give it to us, 
even if it's not really necessary. I just want to add one exciting idea. If I were to ask all of you tonight around the table, let's give examples of the Beis HaLevi that which, with which we began, the Haftacha, the promise that Hashem made that he's only going to deviate from nature only because of Klai Yisrael. So I gave you two. I gave you Kriyas Yamsov. I gave you Shemesh Begibon Dom. And now I want to give you a third one. Being an Eretz Yisrael, I cannot tell you how excited I am. Wherever you go, you see the national bird, which is a crane, the building all over, all over, literally. If you turn to the end of Ayikra, chapter 26, Pesach 32, Hashem promised in the Torah, I will literally keep the land desolate. And the Pesach continues, And your enemies that live upon it will be desolate. My friends, you want to see a miracle in front of your eyes? Come to Eretz Yisrael and just watch what's happening in Eretz Yisrael today. And understand that throughout history, all the different nations that conquered this land and all the different nations that tried to grow anything from this land, the land did not yield to them. If the land of Israel had been completely settled and developed and there were, you know, hospitals and schools and there were fields blossoming, do you think the United Nations could have said, okay, because we feel sorry for the Jewish people, everybody out of your cities, give it? No. The answer is Hashem was babysitting the land. He promised us that the land would not yield to them. And as it did not yield to them, just come and see for yourself how it is yielding to all of us. To Am Yisrael, it is such an exciting miracle. This is the Haftacha that Hashem promised Yaakov Avinu as declared by the Beis HaLevi. And this is what we are privileged to see in front of us today. I cannot tell you what a great thrill it is to be here in Eretz Yisrael, where I always tell you, not only we are privileged that we feel Shabbos back in Gullis, in America. Here, Friday, everything closes, all the stores at one o'clock. You can see Shabbos in the air already on Friday. And so I take this opportunity of wishing Nachum and everybody a wonderful Shabbos. And uh, it's one of those permissible jealousies. You too, come. Come to Eretz Israel. Come to visit, and that will only help you recognize where is home. Shabbat Shalom to all. Shed Yamim Kaseh
JM in the AM, this is my home. That's um, uh, Dovi Shapiro out of Israel here at JM in the AM. Lenny Solomon before that, a Shabbat in Liverpool. Love playing that. Hey, Mazal Tov going out to Ruvain Rosazada. Looking forward to the big bar mitzvah celebration. That happens, of course, uh, over Shabbat in New Jersey to the uh, Friedman and Rosazada families and to Joe and Laurie and the entire family. We say Mazal Tov. Mabruk from all of us here at... Um, J.M. in the A.M. Looking forward to the big celebration, to say the least. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayechi. Plenty more coming up. 16 minutes before 9 o'clock. It's David Lowy at J.M. in the A.M. Hallelujah. 
was amazing last week having David Lowy perform for us live at the Inbal Hotel during JM in the AM. I want to thank him again. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Yeah, well, yesterday we had the uh, amazing opportunity to um, <laughs> to record a big, big chunk of the Kosher Halftime Show. And unlike past years where we were in Jerusalem or in Atlanta, uh, this time we were in a pretty um, populous Jewish neighborhood in the New York, New Jersey area, and it seemed to have caused uh, quite a stir. A lot of social media coverage, a lot of people pretty happy about the Kosher Halftime Show being in their town. And um, it all comes out on the 2nd of February, 2-2-2020. 2-2-20 is when it happens. Uh, about 7.45 Eastern time that night, we released the uh, Kosher Halftime Show 2020 with a big thank you to the Rothenberg Law Firm and all of our wonderful sponsors. And um, it's fun. It's a lot of fun, cool stuff that I think you'll enjoy very, very much. Big thank you, by the way, to Gotta Get a Bagel. Hello, Joel. They're in Woodmere. They took care of everybody yesterday and served as an amazing uh, set and backdrop for one of our segments. And a big, big thank you to Maishi Hirsch as well at Central Perk Cafe who um, in Cedarhurst who really came through for the entire group of, uh, of people who are working on the show. It's really it's amazing how many people you need. <laughs> Mayor K is not enough. He's got to be supported by about 10, 12 others. It's really something. And I uh, just had an amazing time. So anyway. That's the story. That'll be coming out uh, the 2nd of February on Super Bowl Sunday, and we look forward to sharing it with you. JM in the AM, Monday morning. We are back right here, bright and early, starting at 6 a.m. or earlier. <laughs> you never know with us. Uh, so make sure to be tuned in. On um, On Wednesday, we had the big discussion about the Haas concert. We do know that Yishai Rebo is going to be there. Um, so that will be uh, no surprise anymore when you see him on stage Sunday night. But I look forward to greeting everybody Sunday night at the Hess concert. It should be a lot of fun. should be a very interesting and wonderful concert and really action-packed and jam-packed uh, from start to finish. So we'll see you there on Sunday night, please, God, if you're lucky enough to be a ticket holder. And um, yesterday we had the chance to speak with uh, both Donnie Katz and Simcha Halpert, co-captains of the University men's basketball team, the Maccabees. And a um, lot of great stuff, a lot of great stuff by representing the Jewish people, uh, a lot of great material in general about the being the cohesive team that they are, the 12-game winning streak that they're on. Uh, if you didn't have a chance to check it out, it's facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. That's right, the Facebook Live video is up, facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. By the way, I got to thank Ashley Blaker, who helped us a lot this week with the Kosher Halftime Show. His show opens in New York the day after the Super Bowl on the 3rd of February. We'll speak with him, of course over the next couple of weeks. And my thanks to Simcha Liner. He was such an amazing and incredible um, a cooperative uh, a guest of ours yesterday at the Kosher Halftime Show filming. And the 15th of January, he's scheduled to be in Johannesburg. And then the rest of January, he will be in places like L.A., Chicago, and back in the five towns. And uh, we'll give you all those details as we get closer. Simcha Liner tour continues in the first half of 2020. And thank God he's doing really, really well. Speaking of Simcha Liner, here he is at JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. with Simcha Liner. Hope you caught some of the shots, some of the stills and videos that were flying around social media yesterday of his kosher halftime performance. It's a great trailer for what you're eventually going to see on the 2nd of February during halftime of the big Super Bowl on Super Bowl Sunday. Pretty amazing, huh? J.M. and the A.M. set to wrap things up on this Friday era of Shabbos. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at J.M. and the A.M.
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSigl.com and the NachumSigl Network. And, of course, the beloved NSN app. And that wraps up an amazing Friday and an incredible week here at JM&AM. A week that started at Shari Tzedek Medical Center. Uh, we spent a lot of time on Hask. Spent a lot of time on the Yeshiva University men's basketball team. Today, we spent a lot of time on Iran. <laughs> we certainly did. With a great weekly update from Jerusalem and plenty, plenty more. Monday morning, I am back starting at 6 a.m. Matis Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. He'll be live with JM Sunday. Avrami tomorrow night with Saturday Night Seagull with Rabbi Zwickler. Uh, don't forget, uh, Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zomik at 10 a.m. Brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. And then the Erev Shabbos music mix all day long brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. And Naomi Nachman with a brand new edition of Table for Two coming up next. Naomi has on her program this morning Shachar Avraham from Israel Free Spirit Birthright, Malki Hirsch of Kiss the Kosher Cook, and Naomi Elberg, also known as Naomi TGIS. It's next on Table for Two at the Nahum Single Network. Have a wonderful Shabbos, great weekend. See you at Hask Sunday night. Till Monday, Nahum Single reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future.